Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 186 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Dr. Elizabeth Krupinski. She's a professor and vice chair of research at Emory University in the, the Department of Radiology. She received her bachelor's from Cornell, master's from Montclair State, and PhD from Temple, all in experimental psychology. Her interests are in medical image perception, observer performance, decision-making, and human factors. She is Associate Director of Evaluation for the Arizona Telemedicine Program and Co-Director of the Southwest Telehealth Resource Center. She is past president of ATA, past chair of Society for Imaging Informatics in Medicine, past chair of SPIE Medical Imaging, vice president of the Society for Education and the Advancement of Connected Health, and president of the Medical Image Perception Society. She is editor of Telemedicine Reports, and you most recently probably heard her at the Dysphagia Research Society annual meetings on the topic of starting a telemedicine program in your facility, which is what we are going to discuss today. So when I first started using social media and the internet for contact with the world of the medical speech language pathologist, I noticed that while there was a lot of potential there, there were also a lot of problems. Like whose information do you trust? Who is an expert? Is what being posted online really evidence-based practice? By answering those questions for myself, I found the answer for some others. That answer has become the Medical SLP Collective. As we all learned last year with COVID, sometimes there is no roadmap or journal article for a specific case or scenario. Using clinical expertise from a variety of settings combined with research and experience, we've cultivated a supportive community that provides education and mentorship to help you get the best results for your patients. Join us May 17th through May 21st for our third Medical SLP Summit. Join us to hear cutting edge information from 20 of our mentors that help to educate our members daily. The summit serves as the grand opening for the Medical SLP Collective open enrollment period, which will begin during the summit. You can sign up for the Medical SLP Summit completely free at www.medslpcollective.com forward slash summit. That's www.medslpcollective.com forward slash summit. And we look forward to seeing you there. 
If you don't need any further convincing and would like to sign up now for the MedSLP Collective or just check out a little bit more about what it is all about, you can go directly to www.medslpcollective.com forward slash video series. That's medslpcollective.com forward slash video series. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good morning, Elizabeth. Morning. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. All right. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm Elizabeth Kropinski. I am a professor and vice chair of research in the Department of Radiology and Imaging Sciences at Emory University. Uh, and I've been here five years, uh, and I'm also a subject matter expert for their Connected Health program. Uh, prior to this, I was 23 years at the University of Arizona, and I'm still associated with them as the Associate Director of Evaluation for the Arizona Telemedicine Program, and I am co-director of the Southwest Telehealth Resource Center, uh, which is a HRSA-funded uh, program to provide technical assistance to startup and other telemedicine programs looking to expand and, you know, get into healthcare. Amazing. So it sounds like you're bored, just like the rest of us. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So what do you, you know, what do you, what do you want to talk about today? What, what brings you here? Telemedicine, basically, and, yes. and just trying to get the word out on, you know, everybody during COVID has experienced uh, very different uh, ramifications. And one of them has been on healthcare whether you're a provider or a patient. And there are just so many things that telemedicine has been able to do this past year in relieving some of the barriers to getting healthcare. Um, telemedicine has been around like forever, uh, really. I mean, literally since, you know, the 50s in one form or another. And it's, you know, experienced starts and slowdowns and so on. But the COVID pandemic really was good for telemedicine. It, it highlighted the capabilities of it, also the limitations, um, but it really made headway in terms of being a way that patients could really stay connected with their providers. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is, is I had this conversation with my mom the other day because my, my son was sick and I had so much going on and I just did not want to take him back to the pediatrician's office. And she's like, well, just call the doctor. I'm like, well, I did, but they said, we have to come in for an office visit. And she's like, oh my gosh, when you kids were little, we could just call the doctor and just talk to the doctor. And I was like, you can't just do that nowadays. But I was like, it's honestly like you guys had telemedicine before it was cool to have telemedicine, like before we went back to everything being in person. No, absolutely true. But now you can actually just call because like I said, so many providers, because they had to stay safe too. 
Um, and there's online companies. I mean, there's all sorts of ways and means that you can connect with your providers. Now, clearly, you can't do everything. I mean, you can't get immunized. <laughs> you can't get your blood work. You can't get x-rays. So there are, you know, valid reasons to go in person. But, you know, like I said, a, a kid with a sore throat or an earache, heck, you could do that by video, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and get really good outcomes. So why yeah. not? I mean, you know, when you think about it, you know, right before we were, uh, you know, recording here, you're talking about, you know, the hour and a half drive to drop the kids off at school. Well, think about the same thing for a healthcare visit. So you lose a day at work. They lose a day at school. You drive, say, an hour, hour and a half to get to the provider you sit in the waiting room for like a half an hour because they're always late with all these other sick people and kids. Uh, then you see your provider for 15 minutes and then you repeat the whole process. You, you've lost an entire day for a 15 minute visit to say, yeah, they got that same old ear infection and they've had here's a prescription. Yeah, it is absolutely maddening. It is. And now that people have experienced that 15 minutes, they're like, uh-uh, I'm not going back. Yep. I think we we then got escalated to an ENT for my son, and that was at the Children's Hospital downtown. I think it took us like an hour to get there, however long, to get in the parking garage to park. He doesn't walk, so I had to get him into, into his stroller, wheel him in. The ENT didn't even put his hands on him and just asked me a bunch of questions and said, okay, we just need to get this new antibiotic switched. And I was like, oh, thank you. That was so easy. And then I got home and I was like, why did that take all day? <laughs> like Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Not, there's a, a huge amount of stuff that can be done virtually yeah, with telemedicine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this, this podcast is about swallowing. So I'm sure, sure. everybody's going to be yep. like... Okay, that sounds great, you know, for a a typical runny nose, but what do we do for patients with swallowing? So I would love to, you know, hear hear what you have to say. There's a lot you can do in that sense as well. I mean, you know, a video visit, it it will take some adjustment of your processes and procedures. Um, As you noted, you you can't do hands-on. So you can't reach out and, you know, feel somebody's throat or, uh, you know, check their cheeks or, you know, any part of a physical exam that you might do in advance. But uh, you can work them through and explain to them how they can interact with you. You could have a caretaker or a partner or a friend of the patient be there with them. And if you need them, for example, to, you know, feel the throat or something else and try to explain to you what they feel, you can do that. Um, But there are a lot of techniques that people have been publishing on, posting and so on, on ways to do virtual exams uh, with or without somebody else with the patient and get as much information that you need in order to proceed effectively, whether it's in terms of a diagnosis or the therapy side of stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think for us as speech pathologists, I think it's it's very helpful in that you can get you know you can do the full case history, you can get you can gather all of that information ahead of time because a lot of times that's obviously what we do in that initial clinical swallow exam is is just basically information gather, and then from there you know they may need to go see GI or go see ENT before we can even get to doing our job. So I think it can be so helpful in that realm to be able to get the proper tests done first, you know, instead of having to waste that half a day just for information gathering. Right. And like, you know, and you do that now while you're waiting in the, in the waiting room, Yeah, 
Yep. You know, let, yep. here, here's your clipboard with that paperwork, pull out your readers and fill out this form. Well, why can't I do that at home? Right. While I'm trying to keep my kid from, out. you know, grabbing everything. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like I said, there, there because how much of the, you know, of, of your diagnosis is based on that information is yep. a lot. A lot. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and why not just do it all virtually? And like, and like I said, I mean, you know, it, it it's kind of frustrating on the patient side to come in and fill out all that. And then you say, well, you're going to have to go get, you know, something else from your GI come back another time. Well, now they in a sense, not wasted, but you know, they, they feel a little frustrated because they're not proceeding like they thought they were. They were going to, they thought they were coming to you for the answer. Let's get going. You know, but you can obviate all that with, with telemedicine to some extent. Yeah. I, I think the big, you know, the million dollar question here that everybody would be asking is how, you know, the financials, well, that's great, but does, you know, Medicare reimburse for this or do the, the insurance companies, you know, how, do, how does that all work? Increasingly? Yes. Um, you know, prior to COVID there were a lot of restrictions um, and, uh, you know, especially in some of the uh, areas, you know, like like rehab, like SLP, like physical therapy, o- o- occupational therapy, um, all of these were less well reimbursed than uh, you know, sort of traditional visits with your with your MD provider. Um, but once COVID hit, a lot of the regulations started to change, and so many many more CPT codes were opened up, both by Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance companies as well. Um, you know, the big question, of course, is will it all stay? Um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but I think a lot of it will. Um, I think there's, you know, so much recognition about the value of telemedicine that there's not, you know, this huge amount of excessive fraud in, in billing and stuff that people thought there would be. You know, there's just as much fraud in telemedicine as there is in in-person medicine. Uh, if, if You know, I mean, let's face it. So that kind of, to me, is a non-issue, um, really. But, you know, an awful lot. Now, not everything. Um, you know, there, there were there are still some limitations uh, in terms of what's reimbursed, um, but we can keep fighting for it and, and we will continue to fight for it. Um, but like I said, I think a good deal of what was put in place during COVID is going to stay in terms of reimbursement. Yep. Yep. I think um, if I'm wrong, everybody don't don't be mad at me, but I believe this actually is a good timing of this episode because ASHA did just or not not ASHA, holy cow, CMS Medicare did just extend telemedicine benefits for swallowing, I believe through the end of 2022. And if I say if that date is wrong, don't be mad at me, everybody, which which I think is amazing and it is just going to be so helpful and will give us time to really see the impact that it can have on our field. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that they kind of forget and just, yes, you know, 2022 know. comes. And just take I, I, I know. It's like, don't we have bigger fish to fry? Can you guys just forget about us? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no. I'm going to go back and look at that little code. Yeah. 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 Why bother? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Simply Thick. Now that Itzy allows you the option to use a thinner consistency, now Simply Thick does too. Simply Thick Easy Mix introduces the first slightly thick Itzy Level 1 individual packets in the U.S. All the same features you know and love about Simply Thick in easy-to-mix packets. For a free sample kit, check out www.simplythick.com forward slash SYP. That's www.simplythick.com forward slash SYP. 
Okay. So I get, you know, I, I would love to really hear, you know, what your role is in all of this, Elizabeth. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, okay, I work for this big medical center. We have no concept how to do any of this. Where do we even get started? What, you know, what's the next steps to take? Yeah. So, so my role, I mean, my, my background is I'm an experimental psychologist. And so I've always been interested in sort of that interface between technology and providers of all sorts and how does it impact their ability to, you know, render diagnostic decisions, uh, provide treatment, interact with patients, you know, the whole nine yards. And started all in radiology and then kind of just expanded out into, into the telemedicine world. But what I do is, you know, I and what, what we do, I mean, and, and that's part of the Southwest Telehealth Resource Center, um, is, is we're there to help provide advice. Um, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned. Getting into telemedicine can be daunting. You have a lot of questions starting out. Um, you know, gosh, what technology do I use? How much do I have to invest? Is it paid for? You know, how many people do I need? Is this going to, it just goes on and on. But there's a lot of people who have done this before. There's a lot of lessons learned and there's a lot of information and tools, templates, uh, toolkits that are available to help people do this. And the, the TRCs are one of them. And again, it's, it's HRSA funded. So it's funded by the federal government. Our services are for free. And, you know, you can contact, uh, there, there's uh, 14 telehealth resource centers, 12 of them cover specific regions of the United States. And then there's two uh, national level ones, one just on technology and one just on policy. And again, services for the most part are free. Uh, a lot of tools, templates, training sessions, um, but just being able to help someone figure out, you know, okay, one, what's the use case scenario? What do you want to do? Because that's where I think most people just start to flail. I want to do telemedicine. Well, goody, goody for you. So everybody else. <laughs> what is it really that you want to do though? Right, telemedicine right. is not the activity. Right. It's the tool to reach out to your patients. So is it like what you were talking about? Is it that pre-visit? Is it once they've seen the GI? Is and they come back, is it for the therapy part? So decide, you know, what is your mission? What is your goal? And once you figure that out, then let's talk about technology. Because the first question everybody has is, what's the technology? What do I need? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not start there. Well, because once you figure that out, then we'll go. And then we'll talk about, okay, how much do you want to invest? You know, do you got $10,000? Do you got ten dollars yeah <laughs> and and what's possible and and you know what what's allowable there's a lot that was eased up during covid but that's you know going to go away hipaa requirements uh, were were not not completely waived but i mean they were they were significantly reduced but that's going to go away let's face it so you know do you want to invest the the ten dollars in a cheap platform that's not hipaa compliant or or free or, you know, okay, am I going to pay the extra hundred bucks a month or whatever for a HIPAA compliant version of my platform? Because I want to do this later. Yep. Probably a good idea. Yep. You know, and so we talk to people about, okay, well, what do you need when you're going to work with a company? What's a BAA? What's, what is HIPAA? And just in case you don't know, you know, and what are the various options in the technology? Do you need a specific resolution on your camera? Um, you know, how do you prep your patient? How do you explain to them what telemedicine is? Um, so that's kind of my role. And then, you know, above and beyond that is how do you evaluate what you're doing? 
how do you know you've succeeded? And in, in that respect, I try to tell people it's not the bottom line because people think, oh, well, it's going to be how much money I make and do I get reimbursed? There's a lot more to it than that. And there's a lot of other ways to measure success and still look at your bottom line. But the bottom line to me should be secondary. You know, it should really be, do I reduce my no-show rates? Do people complete their therapy more than in person? Um, you know, do, do they have better outcomes or at least as good? So there's so many other things that, that you can look at to judge your success. And that, that's kind of like my area of expertise is helping people in that area as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. I, for me right away, I just think of how many more, how much more access we can have to patients. And I did, I did an episode uh, maybe about a month ago with a colleague. And so I have a son with special needs. So I kind of live this double life of living the life, <laughs> but also working in it. And, and there's just so many times, and there's this one therapist that we're trying to see right now, but the paperwork and the figuring out how to create an account on their platform. Like I cannot figure it out. And I'm a pretty intelligent tech savvy person and I cannot figure it out. And I'm just at my wits end with it because I want to work with this therapist and it's supposed to be nice and easy breezy once you get in, but the barrier of entry is incredible. You know, so I just think for some of these patients, you know, how do we just make sure that we, because I believe this gives us so much more access to patients and so many more patients that maybe don't have transportation or don't have a family member that can get them to these appointments. But then how do we help with the tech fear piece, you know, with having to create 97 accounts and figure that all out? Yeah, that's the tough part. And and that, you know, and you think it, you said the key word is you're in the field, you know, the advantages. So you're going to stick to it and do it. The typical patient they're going to encounter one barrier and they're going to say, I give up. This is too hard. And you're, and you've lost them. So the key, you know, from my perspective is, is to find the right partner for the technology who's not going to make the user create an account or is going to make it easy. You know, here, just send me the link to log in uh, or to make an appointment and in that initial phase, if I have to put in my insurance, but that's the key. And that's what I mean, in some extent, by setting your case scenario and then figuring out the technology. And the technology, again, for me is not, you know, it is which camera and which microphone and all that other stuff. But it's more that interface is, is what I think providers should pay attention to. Um, because like you said, they're, 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 the people that we want to reach are not going to sit there and go through all this tech stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to make it easy for them. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be able to be done on your phone. A lot of patients don't have laptops, computers, they don't have access to 5g, you know, and, and broadband access. So there's got to be ways that we can adapt our methods to somebody with a cell phone and that, you know, and simple things there, you know, explaining, put the cell phone down <laughs> and prop it up so you're not moving around I'm gonna you know, when yeah. we're talking and I'm getting seasick watching you. Yes. There's little things that you can do with very simple, easy to use technologies, but it just takes a little bit of education and training. And so sometimes what's necessary, you know, like on a first visit or something is to say, okay, first 15 minutes, you're going to talk to my assistant and they're going to help you with the technology and stuff. And then you'll see me. 
or I'll take the first 15 minutes. I mean, if you have the time, but there's got to be sort of that initial, let's just not jump into the visit for the first time. Let's just get used to this. Let's chat for a little bit and let's let's get you set up and used to what we're doing. And that's going to help establish that rapport in the first place that you're going to need with the patient who's like a little wary. I don't know about all this. Just go through something every day. You know, let's just work through this and let's chat while we're doing it. How you doing? Da, da, da. Would you have for breakfast? All that other stuff. And then we'll get into the visit. Yeah. I think what struck me as as so shocking was that this particular provider had no idea how complicated the process was on the front end. Like she was like, why haven't you filled out this stuff? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't, this is impossible. And she's like, oh, well, I have the time slot reserved for you. And I'm like, have you tried this? And she's like, oh no, I heard it's easy. I'm like, I don't know what, you know, tech whiz you talk to, but this is impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that, that is like the worst, worst thing to do to not try out the system from the patient's point of view. I mean, just to trust your tech vendor. Oh God, I wouldn't never, 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 never. Always, always sit down. Don't just ask for a demo. You've got to go in there and do it yourself because the people giving the demos have done it 10,000 times. They're there to sell you the used car. I mean, right. they, they, and they want to add on all the bells and whistles. They're yep. salespeople, for goodness sake. Yeah. So you've got to be the savvy customer and sit down and try to break their system and figure out what it's like. And, and then and maybe even not you, you know, you do it, but also get, you know, your your 70 year old grandmother to do it and bring bring her in and say, hey, hey, grandma, see, figure if you can do this. If she can do it, then you're good. But don't don't bring in that 14 year old who can do anything. Right. Right. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think the key thing is really when you're starting to think about doing telemedicine or, you know, even if you've been doing it in COVID and just kind of, you know, thinking about, OK, this has been kind of good and I think it's going to be useful. Let's really do it after COVID. Let's go for some hybrid way of operating. Um you know, I, I think really to, to sit back and do some of the things that we've been talking about, which is reevaluate what you've done for the past year, what worked, what didn't work, uh, what kind of workflows. Because once once we go back to normal, you're not going to be 100% at home anymore. You've got to figure out how to integrate this into your regular workflow. And to me, that's the hardest part, really, is figuring out the hybrid version of what you're going to do. Um, You know, is it going to be every other appointment is virtual or is it Tuesdays and Thursdays are virtual and figure out really what's going to be that workflow once once you get back and reach out to others who are doing it. Like I said, the TRCs are there, the telehealth resource centers. Um, There's a lot of people who have done it. Reach out and find out what's worked for others. If you've had a pain point, you know, reach out. Like I said, ASHA has a ton of good information. Uh, on their website, and they've had great webinars and and toolkits and stuff. Don't try to do it alone. There's so many resources out there, and and a lot of it's just for free. And you may have to switch your vendor. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of companies that kind of popped up, but again, you know, a lot of the the some of the restrictions for prescribing for cross state licensure for HIPAA, but those are going to change again. Um, you know, hopefully all the billing will stay in place uh, and the, some of the provider location stuff will stay in place. But, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of my my best advice is to just take a pause. Think about really what what is it you want to do as we transition out of COVID and then reach out for help when you need it. 
Yeah. I, I love what you just said about creating a hybrid program. Like I really didn't even think of that much. And I know, you know, once COVID hit, obviously my son doesn't walk. So we rely heavily on physical therapists and we had a physical therapist coming to the house every day to work with him. And then when COVID hit, it stopped completely. And she switched gears and went to teletherapy, which was wonderful and horrible all at the same time. Um, because he's a five-year-old learning to walk and I don't know what muscles to grab and things like that. But I just said to her, and she was like, even if I could just come like once a week, get my hands on him, then I can tell you what to do the rest of the week. And we were, you know, we were trying so hard to figure out like, can she come? Can she do it? And, And I so badly was like, gosh, yes, that would be so perfect. If you could just get your hands on him once a week, I can carry out the rest of it with you over the computer. But I I love that because I think especially for swallowing, I think that's something that absolutely could be done. I think if we can, quote unquote, get our hands on our patients, you know, once do a few therapy sessions via teletherapy, see them again in person. I think there's a beautiful way to and a huge role to do this in in a hybrid model. Oh, absolutely. And and a lot of uh, 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 home visits with nurses started out that way. I mean, that model exists, um, but then to, to translate it into other practices. And like you said, I mean, it, it would just take that one visit to show you, the, the parent or the caregiver, or whoever, what to do and what to touch. And there's, and, and, and you know, there, there's simple ways because, you know, the, the next question, well, how am I going to remember next time? So you, you, you wear a particular pair of pants or something every time and you put little markers on the pants if it's the legs that are involved or, you know, to, you know, take a picture of the throat, maybe put some little stickers, sticky things and then take a picture. And then the next time just refer to that picture. Oh, yeah. They say, OK. And so there's there's ways to, to keep that continuity without having to rely on oh Let's just go through it again. I forgot what you did. Where did you know? There, you have to, then those are things you got to think about. But when you do those little things and the, you know, the simple reminders and the ways to make it the same every time and help the, the, the caregiver or even the patient figure out what to do with these little reminders, it really does help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that could honestly just have such a huge impact with our field. Yeah. No. Yeah. This was good. Do you have any do you have any advice for speech pathologists working with swallowing disorders anything anything you'd like to say just keep doing it man <laughs> find out the ways to do it, like i said because it's such a benefit to the patients and you know it's not only your existing patients there like i said there are so many patients out there in areas where we haven't been able to reach them yes and yes. to be able to to offer these types of services it may not be the ideal um, we may be having to do this by phone, by jerry-rig systems, without great connectivity, but otherwise they would not be getting the care. Yeah, yeah. And that's the key thing because, you know, there, there are just some people who, you know, I, I've got to travel with this five-year-old three hours. I just can't do it. That's my nightmare. <laughs> and, and, or, or, yeah. or the, you know, the, the elderly person with the stroke. I mean, you know, there's just so many different populations where it's like, I just can't yeah. do it. Yeah. I even think of just like and those. So the, the, the patients don't get the therapy and, and it's like, it's very sad, but you know, telemedicine can help bridge that gap and at least, at least keep the connections going. If you can't, you know, do the same type of therapy, you can't do it as effectively. At least you've made the connection and they're doing something. 
And, and they're, you're giving them that that hope that, you know, and that feeling that they're being cared yeah. for. Yeah. I think there's such a potential, too, in, in those really rural areas, you know, where maybe you are at the main medical center, but it's still two hours away from a bunch of these rural towns. But if that patient just has to come to town, you know, once and can still get treated, get get sent to the right referrals. I think so much happens when because there's there's obviously so much interdisciplinary care at play and, you know, just getting the proper referrals, getting to the proper other doctors. Sometimes it's just having a conversation with somebody that knows these pieces and then knows where to refer you on to that. I just, I lose my mind when I have to go into to an office and then they refer us elsewhere. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and, and like you said, you've gone through the whole process of, you know, you, you, you said you, you, you put your son in the stroller, but I mean, sometimes there's wheelchairs involved and you're the single, you know, and, and there's just so much work let's go in and fill out some paperwork. Well, I could have done that online, you know, but let me just go in for the visit that I really need. Yep. Yep. And yep. then everything else let's do via tele as much as we can, because it can be done. It really can. Awesome. Well, I love this, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. You oh, just no, made it sound you. like it's actually achievable. It is. So. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But like I said, reach out, reach out for help when you need it. If you, if you, if you're, you know, if you're on your own, you're doing it great. But yeah, if, if you're you. kind of wary and not, um, not, you know, sure of what to do, reach out. There's always help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been wonderful. Oh, thank you. All right. Great. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny V. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.